0: Costas, Tarico, Glickman, Stockton. All Syracuse University alum Sean McDonough has ever wanted was to be on that list, that short list of famous sportscasters that you would say, in the first breath, that attended Syracuse University. He's arrived from his days as the voice of the Syracuse Chiefs, to the voice of the Boston Red Sox, through hundreds of college football and basketball games, the World Series, golfs, majors, and so much more. McDonough is now just the fifth voice of Monday Night Football in its history, a title he inherited from fellow SU alum Mike Tirico. McDonough, the son of legendary Boston sports writer Will McDonough, was in Syracuse this week to present Tirico with the Marty Glickman Award for Sports Leadership at Syracuse University. McDonough joins me on the Syracuse Sports Podcast to discuss what he learned from Tirico, how he mentored him, how former Syracuse football coach Dick McPherson had a huge influence on his life and even kept him here in school, and what football fans are telling him about those NFL anthem protests. So we're here with Sean McDonough, and uh, Sean, from one Marty Glickman Award winner, to another, You're here uh, in Syracuse. We're recording this on Tuesday. And you're here to present Mike Tirico with the uh, Marty Glickman Award. So by the time this airs, you will have presented the award to Mike. So can you tell us what you said about him?
1: Well, I'm not going to present it to him because I'm going to keep it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the, the thing I'm most excited about about the whole thing, Brent, is that because it was Marv Albert, Bob Costas, Beth Mowens, me, and now Mike Tirico, uh, I'm happy that it's Mike because I will still be the tallest person ever to have won the Marty Glickman Award. So that's you got to hold on to that to as long as you yeah. can. Yeah. That'll be my lame joke to get the thing started when we do actually get up there. You know, I'm excited to give it to him because he is a dear friend and obviously was my predecessor on Monday Night Football. And it's for leadership in the communications world, but it's also for mentoring because Marty Glickman was a mentor to many, many people, myself included. I worked with him. And when I started doing the Red Sox games, Channel 38 in Boston, for whom I was doing the games, they hired Marty to come to spring training my first year, work with Bob Montgomery and me, coach us. We did practice games. He critiqued the tape. I learned a lot from him. And Mike trigo has been a mentor to me. And you know, when I got the Monday football job, he had a lot of great advice that was very helpful to me. And we've sort of gone back and forth through the years. I'll watch him do a game. I'll text him during the game, maybe offer a suggestion or give him a compliment. And he's very good about doing the same thing, too. So... Uh, I love Mike. He's one of my really close friends, and uh, I'm delighted. I think he's the most talented guy in our business. You know, Bob Costas, too. When I think of the two of them, I think they're the two guys in our business who really could do anything. They can do play-by-play. They can host at the highest level. You know, Bob's done it on the Olympics. Mike's going to do it on the Olympics. They're great interviewers. You know, they're always well-prepared. So Mike's a very deserving winner.
0: You mentioned how you guys are friends, and of course, both went to Syracuse here and have given so much back to to Syracuse University. What would you say, though, is the the best thing you've learned from Mike? You guys are friends. You said you text each other all the time, and so in in a way, are you critiquing each other's performances? What have you learned in all those conversations over
1: the years? Well, I've learned a lot. I think the thing I appreciate the most about Mike is, first of all, he's a great representative of whomever he's working for. You know, When I was a colleague of is at ESPN and we do the British Open together. I just saw the way he interacted, you know, not just within the sports world, but the way he interacted with people out in the community as a very high-profile person at ESPN. You know, professionally, I just marvel at the way he is prepared. You know, it can be very easy when you get to the highest level, and he's been at the highest level for a while, to say, okay, I'm here, and maybe I can dial it back. You know, I'm not working to get to the top anymore. I'm here, and Mike is so smart. You know, I think the thing I appreciate, Mike, is... Even though he's the most well-prepared person that I know, he always feels like there's more to do. You know, I think he could dial it back a lot, and he'd still be more prepared than just about anybody else. So uh, I admire his work ethic, and that's the thing that I learned from him, no matter what level of this business you're at. Uh, The most important part of it is the preparation, and that should never stop.
0: There's a lot of things that cross paths over the years, but you brought up the big one, of course, Monday night football. You know, Only five people have held that job full-time. Others have done it here and there, including uh, Beth Moens, as you brought up, who did it this year. When Mike gave you that advice, and and he was having those conversations with you, what would you say was the best piece of advice he gave you about taking on that that throne?
1: Well, most of it was probably inside stuff that may have. be of interest to you or the people listening to it because you know a lot of it was advice about every production group producer director all the production people in the truck the technical crew the people who are in the booth statisticians spotters you know every group works differently has its own vibe has its own dynamic has its own way of preparing for things traveling having meetings with the teams whatever it is and this group had been together for a long time. You know, Jay Rothman and Chip Dean, who are the producer and director, they've worked together for almost 30 years, not just on Monday Night Football, but on college football and other things. And uh, you know, obviously John Gruden had been there uh, much longer than I had been. I think John had done it six or seven years by the time I got there. So you know, Mike gave me a lot of really good advice just about how to interact within the group and what to expect. Here's how they like to do it. Here's the things they like. Here's the thing they don't like. Here's what might be unusual for me. And, uh, you know, I just i think that he gave me the advice that a lot of people give somebody who has a new job. You know, just be yourself. You know, there's a reason why they gave you this opportunity because I already liked what you were doing. So just continue to do that.
0: What have you found in now doing this for two years? And maybe you, you can talk to Mike about it or just tell us, like, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> Where did that come from? What was yeah. the surprise?
1: They told me Gruden was a handful. I just didn't know how much of a handful. <laughs> I was uh, somewhat forewarned. Uh, you know, there hasn't been much of it that's been a surprise, you know, because, you know, not only did I seek Mike out and did he willingly offer a lot of advice and ideas and a lot of insight into how it was going to go, but because he's been a friend of mine for way back before even he started doing Monday Night Football, which was, what, 12 years ago now, I guess, uh, you know, I've talked to him so much over the last decade while he was doing it that I, knew what he thought about it while he was doing it, what he thought the positives were and the few negatives that there might have been. So, you know, I already had a good grasp for it before I went in there, just from talking to him over the years about his own experience.
0: Speaking of advice, you know, when you guys come back here to Syracuse University, you get to talk to classes, you get to share this advice. And we're in this crazy media world today in 2017. And things are constantly evolving and you know as well as anybody. But if you really had to boil it down, what you would tell a wide eyed freshman that's walking in a new house on that first day, what they should do over their four or five Do
1: years something here. else. Hey,
0: <laughs> <No. laughs> get out. Get out Before Well, the there's still good. time.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I always think, and obviously the communications world has changed dramatically since I was here in the early and mid 80s. I mean, it's not even the same world, not the same universe. You know, cable TV was just starting, basically, when I was going to school here. You know, no one had a cell phone. You know, Twitter was a long way off uh, and all the other social media. So the world's changed. But I do think within the communications world, no matter what it is that you want to do, the most important thing is practical experience. And I've said this a million times. You know, it was great to come to Newhouse and get the benefit of what you learned in the classroom from a lot of terrific professors. A lot of them themselves had great practical experience that they could share and their advice and teaching was valuable, but the most important thing that happened to me here was all the other stuff: getting on W A E R, getting to the Syracuse Chiefs games for three years. You know, having had four hundred years of my uh, four hundred years. sometimes it felt like four hundred <laughs> years, four hundred games of minor league baseball experience. You know, under my belt before I left here. I mean, that was a huge advantage over anybody else in America who wanted to come out of college and be a baseball broadcaster. So, the most important thing is experience. You know, if someone's going to hire you. They want to know how you're going to do when you're hosting your radio show or doing a podcast or writing your column in the newspaper. You know, no one has asked me yet. Were you a good student at Syracuse? You know, fortunately, I was because I did a great job of uh, of cheating. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 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 I went to just enough classes to get by. Uh, You know, but no one's asked me because it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, I got an A in math. That doesn't help you when you're on the air on Monday Night Football. So. All they really want to know if they're going to hire you is how are you going to do when they give you the job.
0: Another one of those things is connections. You know, I, I've told mm-hmm. my students and I've told people I've had the the fortune to intern. It's great that you're getting this degree. It, you're meeting people here that you can connect with, but it's connecting with alumni.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How often? Do you see Syracuse alums doing what you do day in and day out, not only on Monday Night Football, but in all the travels you have? I mean, it's got to be everywhere you go you're running into somebody who graduated from Syracuse University, Yesterday, alums, all over
1: the place. Yesterday, you did the exact same thing you and I are doing with a guy named Tom Wormy, who does a lot of work for ESPN, the ACC Network. He lives in Charlotte. He has a podcast. Uh, He said, can I come by the hotel, sit with you for 15 minutes or so? And, you know, we – talked a lot about Syracuse he mentioned the HBO special that the Real Sports did about my family and me. it was
0: really
1: good by the way thank you I thought they did a great job I have a lot of I always had a lot of respect for that show way before they asked us if they could do a feature on us and we were really humbled and flattered uh, when they did that actually came out of Coach Mack's funeral Uh, John Frankel you know was here at Syracuse was on the football team I think for a while Loved Coach Mack, and he called me a couple of days after the funeral to talk about Coach. We just got talking. I mentioned my brothers and what they're doing, and he said, oh, has anybody ever done a story about that? So that might be a great thing for our show. There's that oh, connection. Yeah, right. So, there, right. There, yeah. But uh, one of the things that Tom Wormy said to me yesterday, Syracuse, man, is the only thing he didn't like about the HBO thing was they didn't talk about Syracuse. <laughs> so I said, well, everybody's <laughs> always talking about Syracuse. You know, it's, I think within our world now, you know, if you tell somebody, yeah, I went to Syracuse, they roll their eyes and make a feel almost like, oh, you're one of those people. So... We sort of have taken over the world, but uh, I'd like to think we do it in a gracious and not an obnoxious sort of way. You brought up
0: Coach Mac, and you know we lost him unfortunately a few months ago, and, and you were so great at, at his funeral, and you told that story about. You told a lot of stories, of mm-hmm. course, but one in particular that I hope you wouldn't mind sharing again, and that is that you wouldn't have made it through Syracuse mm-hmm. without Coach Mac.
1: I think that's for the, true. For
0: those that, that didn't hear that story, would you mind sharing that? Sure. You know, when
1: I was here as a student, uh, working my way through uh, my freshman year, Coach Mac wasn't here yet. Frank Maloney was our football coach the fall of my freshman year. I was working in the sports information office, and for an associate AD at the time named Joe Gallagher, who was sort of in charge of the SU radio network and that sort of thing, marketing and uh, you know, Coach Mac got named the coach in the fall, at the end of that football season, fall of 1980. I happened to be at the press conference, I introduced myself to him after he didn't you know, talked to everybody else in the room. Uh, and that's the order it should have been in. And uh, mentioned that he might know my dad. He did know my dad. At the time, I was a sports writer for the Boston Globe. He said, if you're Will McDonough's son, you must know something about football. Why don't you come work for me when I get back, blah, blah, blah. He went back to Cleveland to coach the playoffs. When he came back, he did call me. I went to work for him and loved it. But uh, it was still a struggle to get through here. You know, you think of what the cost to go to SU or any place like this now. Back then, I think it was twenty-two or $23,000. It seemed like it was $22 million. Um, so I was getting every loan I could, every grant I could, uh, you know, doing the work-study thing and, and other jobs. But it just got home after I worked for coach for a year in the middle of my, uh, my sophomore year and couldn't pay the bill. And I called coach to tell him that, and uh, he said he was sorry to hear that and wished me well. And... Yeah, was there any way you might be able to make it work? I said, "I don't think so, Coach." I kind of have, you know, looked at everything, and he said, uh, "Well, how short are you?" And I think it was like thirty-six hundred bucks from them. So we hung up. I was really sad, and I uh, thought I'd go to UMass or something like that, in-state school. And within a day or two, before I had withdrawn from the university, I got a phone call from the university saying I was getting a scholarship, <laughs> an academic scholarship. And I don't mean to diminish that because you know, I was a at the time I was probably a three-eight student or something but uh still the, the timing of it and the amount of it was uh so coincidental that it struck me as uh, more than a coincidence so I don't know if uh coach Mack went into his own pocket uh he denied any knowledge of my as I like to call it my Hail Mary scholarship but uh I stayed things got better financially within our family and uh made it through
0: it's incredible but, it, yeah there must be hundreds of coach Mack stories like yeah out there he, that maybe we he didn't. did a lot
1: for a lot of people more, you know more than that for me uh to me, he was just the example of how you should live, especially as a person in the public eye. I meant to say that at his funeral, and I went on so long that I, I didn't get it in. But uh, when I watched him, I thought to myself, you know, as a freshman and sophomore here, hoping someday I might do well in sports broadcasting, if I ever am a public person like him, and he was, you know, the man in town. He and Coach Beheim, two most famous guys in town by far. And even when Coach Mack wasn't winning that much, you know, they, people still loved him because they knew what a great person he was. I just thought to myself, I'm going to carry myself like him. I'm going to have time for everybody. I'm going to be nice to everybody, even if he's in a hurry. You know, he always took the time to stop and talk to people. So uh, I loved him. Uh, will always love him. we Will always be grateful to him for what he did and miss him very much. Speaking of Coach
0: Max Sean, it's funny how these things go in cycles. So, you know, Syracuse wins a national title, goes undefeated in 59. Dips a little bit, Coach Mack comes along, revives the program, Coach Pascalone takes over, but Syracuse suffered a little bit of a dip. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg, or Greg Under Greg Robinson, Doug Marone comes in, kind of puts a little bit of life into it, and they've been trying to kind of find their way since under Scott Schaefer and now Dino Babers. Being at Syracuse when Coach Mack was coming up as a coach, Mm -hmm. do you see any parallels now to what Dino Babers is trying to do in getting Syracuse football back into prominence? A little bit. That Clemson win really marks something in in time to say, wait a minute, maybe this thing is. Yeah, I think
1: that's, you know, you need those. You know, back in the coach's day, obviously, the win over Nebraska was a huge thing that really helped get it rolling and convince people that it could and would happen here. Most of all, you have to convince recruits. And I think, you know, Coach got – there was well, the one big thing that worked in Coach's favor at the time, uh, beyond himself, was the carrier dome was brand new. And that was really a recruiting tool. You know, now I think with the age of it and some other stuff, it's not what it was. If anything, it probably needs to be upgraded. I know there's a lot of talk about that. So, um, but I think the biggest reason Coach was successful is that he convinced recruits and their parents that he was going to get done here by. The sheer force of his personality and his sincerity, and his believability, and you know, when you're around coach, you believed them. You wanted to go with him. You wanted you wanted to help him do that. And you know, I see some of the same personality traits in Dino. You know, he's a vivacious guy. He's a compelling guy. I've seen those uh, talks in the locker room after the big wins. And you know, he's the kind of guy I think young people would want to play for too. It, it takes a personality like that. I, I think Scott Schaefer is a very nice guy. I know he is. I know Greg Robinson is a very nice guy. But they're not the same personality types. I think they're good, solid football people. But I think this head coaching job requires somebody with the huge personality that's going to get people to follow.
0: You brought up the carrier dome. You know, when Coach Mack was given the dome as this great new recruiting tool, they're going to renovate the Dome. Mm-hmm. John Wildhack sat where you are a week ago. I couldn't crack that nut, though, Sean. He wouldn't tell me anything about those renovations. But, you know, that's going to be a big thing. <laughs> did
1: for, he ask for you Dito. for money? <laughs> um, yes, he did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Good for him.
0: Everybody walks in that office, you know. Uh, Good for him. You'll probably get that. that I already got the well. call.
1: <laughs> Not about that, necessarily. They don't waste
0: any time when, you, when Since you he hired there. me
1: to do Monday Night Football, when he got this job and he called me for money, I couldn't really say no, right? I mean, the guy just gave me the break of my life. <laughs> that's
0: so. fantastic. Yeah. But uh, that's what I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know John Wildhack as well as anybody making that transition. You guys worked at ESPN together. You were one of his last acts yeah. pretty much before I he have left, have right? might
1: have got him shoved out the door. <laughs> We all think he came here willingly. Maybe they pushed him out at ESPN after he hired me. I don't know.
0: So he's been here for about a year and mm-hmm. he's making that transition in, into being an athletic director, as he told us right here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast last week. But knowing John, you know, and, and having him seen in action at ESPN and now a little bit here, what, what do you think he can do here for Syracuse? Oh, uh, well, at
1: the time I thought he was a great choice. I thought there were a couple of great candidates. I know you and I talked at the time. This was before I knew John was interested in it. I thought Nick Carparelli, who's at Under Armour, had been at the Big East, he would have been fantastic too. And I think he probably would have been the choice had John not expressed his interest. Yeah, I think John terrific. He has uh, great leadership skills honed over a long time. Obviously, a big part of being an athletic director is de- dealing in the media world and television, radio, marketing, all the stuff that comes with that. I mean, he has experience in that area that's unsurpassed. He's a great guy. He's a great person. He loves Syracuse, loves sports. So I think he's the whole package and what you want in an athletic director. And I think whatever needs to be done here, Uh, he'll get it done to the best extent possible. You know, these things take money, and I think that's really the part of the job that isn't fun for a lot of these people who are in athletic administration is the, you know, asking people for money part of it. But I think if they can raise enough money... uh, They'll do a lot of things that are necessary.
0: Well, you, Tirico, and Costas are on campus this week. so uh,
1: Costas and Tariko have all the money. Cha-ching. Uh, there's a They're reason why I have mother. Tirico's job because he left for more money somewhere else. <laughs> so I'm going to tell <laughs> Wild Hack, go after him first. And Costas you know, probably has more money than Tirico and I will ever have. So uh, they can go after those two.
0: That NBC money, baby.
1: Let's say hey, They Could have a lot a of The whole wing of the new carrier. I mean, you've read about ESPN. man. We're having cutbacks left and right. So I need to hang on to my shekels just to see what happens.
0: Uh, Sean, one last thought from you here. I did want to talk a little football with you Mm -hmm. in in, in the sense of there's been – football and and sports in general, people come to as a distraction, right? Well, the NFL has had its fair share of, like, in-house distractions this year. If it's the anthem protest stuff, if it's Jerry Jones against Roger Goodell, and there's just so many things. There's a lot of slings and arrows coming at the NFL. Have you sensed this year in doing the games that there's – for the people that just want to watch the games – that there's been like a relief, like, oh, good, like football, like, oh, yes, there's a game here because there's been so many, you know, distractions isn't the right word, but so many issues surrounding the league this year.
1: I think so. I mean, most of the feedback, and one of the things that's happened since I got this job, the Monday Night Football job, is a lot more people recognize me, so I have a lot more people come up and talk to me. Uh, You know, all the feedback that I've gotten from Monday Night Football viewers, football viewers, football fans is I'm tired of all the ancillary stuff. I haven't had one person say to me, Boy, I wish you'd show the anthem more often, or I really wish you'd get into conversation more about all the stuff that these guys are doing around the anthem before your game. You know, people go to these things for an escape. You know, I I know a lot of the players feel like there's an important statement that they need and want to make, and I think a lot of them when you listen to them, that's true. I think some of them are just tagging along with no real idea why they're doing it, other than they want to do it. But I don't like the forum and the format. Yeah, and especially thing in this day and age with like what we're doing right here, right now. Podcast, Twitter. I mean if you're a high if you're not if you're a low profile player on an NFL team and you went to the local sports radio station in your town and said, Hey, I feel passionately about this and I'd really like to talk about this. Could I come on your show? Who wouldn't do that, right? In your job. So and that's gonna be a lot more effective because you see thirty guys taking a knee. Uh, are they all taking a knee for the same reason? What is the message? A lot of times I'll ask these guys, okay, what's the message? Well, we're for equality and, well, okay. Everybody, oh, I shouldn't say everybody, most people are for equality too. But what about, you know, what is the point you're trying to make? And a lot of times there's no answer. So I, I think, I don't know that any message is really getting across because it's other than it's a bunch of people taking a knee or standing or raising a fist. And a lot in a lot of the cases you don't really know why they're doing it.
0: Sean, can't thank you enough for coming with us here on the Syracuse My Sports Podcast. Great to see you back Great to see you. in Syracuse. We're Usually
1: there. I'm talking to you through a telephone, yeah. so it's good, good to, see to see you in, in person. person. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean. My pleasure, Brent. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. to get the latest delivered right to your phone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Brent Adams. We'll talk to you next time.